Welcome to Halakha of the Harvest with Pardes faculty member, Rabbi Dr. Levy Cooper, a Pardes North America podcast series that explores the peculiarities of fruits and vegetables in Jewish law. From eggplants to capers, forbidden fruits and passion fruits, Levy sinks his teeth into the delicious stories and legal perspectives of rabbinic tradition. And now, here is the Magid of Melbourne, Levy Cooper. Bateavon. This is Levy Cooper coming to you from Tsur Hadassah. In the previous episode, we discussed a plant that we all recite Shahakol Nia Bidvaro. That is sugar. That was the ruling of the Rambam. And that's the ruling in Shulchan Aruch. And that is the way we all act. We recite Shakol Nihia or Nihie, depending on how you pronounce that word. Shakol Nia Bidvaro. And I pointed out in the previous episode that this opinion was not the majority opinion. In fact, many of the medieval authorities felt that on sugarcane, we should recite the blessing that we recite over either fruit or vegetables. But their opinion was not accepted. Rather, the opinion of the Rambam that the general blessing, Shakoni Abitvaro, is the blessing that we all say. Now, I suggested that this was an opportunity to be stringent. And before you eat a lolly, a sweet, a candy, and recite the blessing, since we're not sure what the blessing should be, maybe you should first eat a fruit, and then a vegetable, then drink a glass of milk. And once you've covered all the blessings, you've recited, then you can eat the lolly. Now, when I shared that with my community here in Surahadasa, there were a number of parents that were very excited by this stringency. The dentists in my community weren't as excited, but I almost was taken to court by two families in my community that are in the sweet business. And they protested, suggesting that I was perhaps harming their livelihood. But the majority of complaints actually came from the children of the community. So I want to apologize if I caused anyone any uh, discomfort in the previous episode. I'm sorry, we're discussing a halachic issue. And the rule is, A legal decisor can only rule as that decisor sees fit. Now, I did ask whether there were any halachic family members of Sugar, meaning are there any other plants that we recite shahakol over rather than borei priya etz or borei pri ha'adama? And there are two, and I know that I'm going to get myself into even more trouble because the other two are chocolate and coffee. And if I suggested to be stringent regarding blessings over lollies, candy or sweets so to be stringent about chocolate is even more dangerous 
and to be stringent about coffee, well, that is downright foolish. So let's have a look at coffee and chocolate. Coffee arrived in the uh, Western world from Ethiopia and from Yemen, and chocolate arrived from Central America. Both came to the wide world together with tea from China in the 17th century. And historians know to tell us that the first cup of coffee that was served in England was served in the year 1650 by a Jew in Oxford. And seven years later, they were drinking hot chocolate in England. And a year after that, tea arrived from China. But the truth is, before uh, coffee and chocolate and tea arrived in England, other places knew about these drinks already in the 16th century. And it appears that the first authority in Jewish law to discuss coffee was the Radbaz, Rav David Ben Zimra, who was chief rabbi in Cairo. And he opens his, quest, his uh, responsum by saying, you asked me about the pri, about the fruit that is called elbun, the bean, va'al hakawa, the coffee that is the cooked from the rind of that fruit. And are you allowed to drink it if it is produced by non-Jews? So the Radbaz was concerned whether coffee prepared by non-Jews was, you could drink it, was it perhaps not kosher, were there any non-kosher ingredients, and perhaps it is a drink that needs Jewish oversight rather than being prepared by non-Jews. And the Radbaz responds by saying, I looked into this fruit and I saw that it is not eaten raw. It, it's, uh, it's, uh, the fruit is very hard. You cannot be, it cannot be eaten. It, it must be roasted first. And then once it's a bit softer, then it can be, uh, it can be eaten. And the Radbaz notes that this is extremely useful for the digestive system. And that's why people drink, eat or drink it. The Radbaz points out that no one in their right mind would offer this to a royal household. This isn't part of a meal and there's no additives and therefore this doesn't fall under the category not of Gi'ule Nochrim and not Bishul Nochri. This isn't a problem of kosher. It's uh, all the ingredients are kosher and uh, it's not a problem of being prepared by a non-Jew because this is not something that we drink in public. He points out that you shouldn't drink and you shouldn't uh, associate and mix with non-Jews. But that's a general rule that's got nothing to do with coffee. And the Radbaz, towards the end of his responsum, says that the truth is, and I'm sure this will bring a, bring a grin to many of your faces, he says, the truth is that this beverage has no taste, no scent, and no pleasant appearance. It is merely for medicinal purposes 
and therefore one should be embarrassed if one drinks coffee, drink it privately if you must. That's the first responsum about coffee. And indeed, the fruit of the coffee, the coffee bean, is not really edible, and therefore the only uh, part of the plant that is uh, that is that we can eat, that we can ingest, is uh, the drink coffee. And that reminds us of the rule of fruits and vegetables that cannot be eaten raw. For instance, olives, potatoes. If you want to eat an olive off the tree, you say charcoal because it's not really edible. It's only once the olives had, have been cured that we then say bore prihaets. If you dig up a, a, a potato from the ground and just take a bite out of it, you say charcoal because it's not the way potatoes are eaten. Only once they've been cooked do we say bore prihaadama. And based on that rule, that should be the same rule regarding chocolate and coffee. We don't eat the beans, we don't eat the raw beans, not coffee beans, and not the fruit of the cacao tree. Therefore, we should, over the, uh, the food, we should recite the blessing, and indeed there are some uh, halachic decisors that that's what they felt. They said you should say bore prihaets on chocolate. But most of us don't say, when we have a, some chocolate, we don't say bore prihaets. We say shahakol. Now, some of the halachic decisors, the poiskim, they said because the chocolate that we eat has so much sugar that it's no longer the fruit. And that line is not so convincing for three reasons. First of all, as I've already pointed out, maybe over sugar, you should also say bore prihaets. Second, nowadays you can, uh, you can get chocolate that has no sugar. Even though chocolate lovers tell me they're not sure that that's real chocolate. And third, that doesn't explain the coffee. So I think that the way we can perhaps understand the prevalent approach to reciting over chocolate and over coffee is by realizing how they are served. The, when chocolate and coffee was first brought to the Western world, it appeared in the form of a drink. And there weren't blocks of chocolate, but it was hot chocolate and coffee. And therefore, as a drink, the blessing over all drinks, all beverages, except for, of course, as you all know, wine, the blessing is whether it's beer, whiskey, mead, vodka, and hot chocolate or coffee, they all get the blessing and I think that that explains why Shakol became the blessing over chocolate and over coffee. That's all for now. Until the next time, to the Beat Midrash! Thank you again for downloading this special podcast, Halakha of the Harvest, a production 
of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for all the episodes of A Shot of Torah with Rabbi Dr. Levy Cooper. Thanks for listening.